You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 4, a podcast dedicated to inform, educate, and influence the future of housing and services for seniors. This podcast is powered by supporting partners Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, the Senior Living Podcast with Josh and Lucas. A incredible, exciting episode today. We're going to be talking about challenges in senior living design with an expert interior designer, Carrie Moore of 828 Design. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. We're so excited to talk talk to you today because not only are your designs amazing and hyper-focused in senior care, you're also just a really outgoing and fun person to talk to, an incredible backstory. You know, Carrie, a lot of people make their way into senior living after a career in other verticals. Um, and I find that when we talk to designers, that that is a story that I hear so often is that, you know, I was designing in hotels or I was designing in something else. Um, but you've been in this industry 15 years. And even though maybe you didn't set out to start in senior living, you actually got your start in senior living and you've stayed. Yeah. Tell us about that story. Yeah, uh, it's pretty incredible. You know, one of my first internships, that's where I cut my teeth on senior living. And, um, you know, as a designer, you're, you really want to get the jobs that you can travel with and do amazing designs. And I remember, you know, year one, I was fresh out of college and I was at an install and I was so excited to be there. Really didn't know my purpose, right? I was just there to, to do whatever I needed to do. And I knew, you know, we did senior living and it was a cool field, right? Um, but, you know, as I was, you know, navigating through the installation, um, a resident had just moved in and he was sitting on a sofa and he looked at me and he had tears in his eyes and he just sat there and he grabbed my hand and he said, honey, I could just sit here all day. And at that moment, I was hooked. I, at that moment, I knew how impactful, even picking a sofa or making sure he's comfortable staring out the window, right? And creating an environment where you can age and truly enjoy, you know, the rest of your life is pretty impactful, incredible what we can do. So I've just had a fire in me ever since that day. And I'm very fortunate to be able to um, start there and just really grow and evolve as a designer. So. Josh, I'm not crying. You're crying, buddy. Come on. <laughs> We're both crying. Stop it. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent. Um, Josh, you, you're an owner, operator, developer. You know, I've, I'm in the construction side of the business as well. I'm a big proponent of saying like, look, we need to be utilizing people that have a focus in this space because this is not, it's one thing to make a beautiful space, right? But then there's another thing for senior living to actually create an environment that impacts the well-being of older adults. Those are, that's a different thing. When you get into wellness and universal design and just creating an environment where that resident sits in that chair and says, I can sit here all day. His life was improved in that moment. And, you know, there's beautiful chairs and there's beautiful sofas, but that does not necessarily mean that it's going to work in senior living. So, so Carrie, there's all of these challenges in, in designing around senior living. We're going to discuss some of those today. Let's first start off with kind of 
post-pandemic, one of the biggest challenges today, and this is a, something that I hear frequently, is FF&E. Talk to our listeners. Number one, what is FF&E and why has this become a challenge right now? Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, FF&E means fixtures, furniture, and equipment. So um, it's pretty much all the beautiful furnishings, right, inside a building. And if you pick up the building and shake it out, everything that falls out is FF&E, right? So <laughs> that's says, a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, shake out the building, that's FF&E, right? Um, window treatments, accessories, all the little things that create an environment, right, that we have in our home. So that's what FF&E is. Um, there's been a ton of changes um, post-COVID. It's, um, you know, furniture is definitely impacted, um, but there's a couple things that go hand in hand with furniture. You know, it's not just furniture, it's the fabric and how that a fabric affects the furniture um, and how it's fabricated just in general, you know, and it also circle backs to the lead time and freight. So, you know, on that end of it, you know, we, we all know that there's been some major delays and major shift focuses on, you know, just construction in general and the environments and communities that we build every day. But once you get to the, you know, through construction, that's when we come in with the furniture and it's just, it's completely changed. Um, we used to not start selecting furniture until like six months out. And then we'd maybe purchase three months before. Well, I purchased furniture back in November and it still hasn't shipped. So there's been some major delays in some, in some furnishings lately with just lead times. So, so that is, um, Post-COVID, we're in the post-COVID era. I mean, we're still living with it, obviously, like we may be, you know, indefinitely, even with the vaccine. But, um, like, is that something that you see going back to prior to COVID? Or has this industry with timelines and all of that, What is, as we shake all this out, what is things that you don't see going back and, like, as a someone that might be entering in a new project uh, post COVID, uh, the development, like what does that process and timing budget need to look like? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I do start seeing improvements, right? I mean, that's pretty drastic of a, you know, when we were kind of in the thick of COVID, right? You know, at the end of last year when we had that big wave again, right? When lockdown started happening. You know, unfortunately, some of our projects that were in procurement right then had probably the largest impact from even early on, you know, 2020. Um, I can tell you, you know, we constantly are talking with our furniture vendors and manufacturers about what they're doing. You know, long ago, um, people used to have a ton of stock. You know, they keep fr frames in hand. The fabric manufacturers would keep goods and ex excess in their warehouses. You know, probably the last 10 years, we've seen a switch where, you know, goods are more readily available. They don't have to have overhead and stock. Um, and, you know, so the goods just, you know, were, you know, easy to get. Um, now, because of the lead times and with, you know, factories shutting down and different things like that, you know, it hit tremendously. But a lot of the furniture manufacturers I've been talking to recently are starting to restock up. I mean, I'm sure, you know, not a lot of people may have heard of the foam shortage, but when, Snowvid, as I call it, hit in Texas. Um, there was two chemicals that produced foam that really put a kink in factories up in North Carolina, West and East Coast manufacturing plants that, you know, slowed things down. 
But now that things are starting to kind of balance out a little bit to the new normalcy, um, manufacturers are stocking up more because they're worried that if shutdown does happen or goods start slowing in transit, then they can still maintain. You know, I think with the data that they've been receiving, you know, lately on their goods and trade, you know, coming in and out, um, they're able to ramp up and kind of stockpile back now that we used to not see before. So I think that's a plus. Um, I really think that's a plus. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a balancing act right now, you know, um, even if, you know, warehouses are stocking up their goods, um, a lot of the labor force in the factories, even though people are getting vaccinated, um, they're, you know, they had significant shutdowns with factories. They're still, you know, some people are older workers that are not returning, even though they're vaccinated, they're just not returning to the factories. And so, just like any recession, those skilled laborers go away, right? We're seeing that more now in the larger factories. Those skilled laborers are just not coming back, which slow, which slow production. So, um, lots so, of factors. Carrie, did you experience um, a, a real shift, or are you experiencing where a lot of the manufacturers that you were regularly using before you've had to shift and change manufacturers a lot? Has that how has that impacted design? Yeah, um, yes and no. A couple of years ago, you know, we started seeing longer lead times, and then like tariffs came around before COVID. Right, we saw a significant increase in cost. And so a couple of years ago, we internally did a shift where we um, started using more um, factories that are here in America and not outsourcing as much just to help control regularly times and just cost period. Um, you know, but the thing about it is, as most of the frames, you know, there's just a couple of manufacturers that true turnkey American made goods. That's just the reality. Um but, you know, goods and frames are still coming, you know, on a slow boat that, you know, like I said, they're starting to see, you know, what are popular styles. We're starting to see more focus on, you know, what what the manufacturers are, are stocking up where we're having, you know, lead times. Lately, I've been um, selecting based off of quick ship programs, you know, and I think there's going to be a lot more quick ship programs that, you um, manufacturers are going to roll out just because they can control the goods that they keep in the warehouse. Now, necessarily, I don't think necessarily it means that they're going to be quick ship. It's kind of like FedEx today. You pay for overnight and you're lucky to get it in two days. I think that's what the new quick ship is going to be. You know, it's just factories and manufacturers focusing on the popular goods, right? And kind of following that wave and, and guaranteeing that you can get your goods on time. So, but a lot of the lead times are bouncing back. A lot of, um, you know, the eight to 10 weeks are that, you know, we're 16 to 20 weeks out. They're comfortable with doing eight to 12 weeks now, which is good. So it changes our selections. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. the, I mean, the whole plan around the design um, and this goes for new construction ground up and also renovation where you're reimagining spaces and making a plan. Um, you know, you got to really think through these things, especially on a renovation, right? Because the, the duration is going to be more, a lot, lot shorter yeah. than a ground up. Pump the brakes. <laughs> Let the furniture get on order before you start ripping up carpet. Y'all move so quickly, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And it's just about communicating with your owner. We've been very transparent. 
you know, with our owner operators and letting them know a lot of, you know, people understand, they get it, you know, a lot of it's out of our control, but, you know, Josh, your question, we are constantly in contact with our vendors, not trying to find new vendors coming out of the woodworks, you know, for quality control, but you know, it's been really interesting, the shift of quality control, you know, we've been FaceTiming factories, getting videos sent to us. Um, so it's, it's been a, it's been a challenge, but we're, we're getting through it. I had another just follow-up question. I'm going to draw the conclusion. Um, something near and dear to my heart is controlling the the project, the overall community cost of development. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, construction prices have gone through the roof. Yeah. I'm going to assume with the limited supply chain and the interruptions and the freights and all that, I mean, how impactful has that been to this very important line item of FF&E to these development budgets? Yeah, I've increased mine, you know, two to four percent on top of what I normally schedule um, as a placeholder because freight's gone up significantly. You know, we're working on some custom lighting and there was like, and again, it's it's coming over um, overseas, but I mean, we've seen cost increase on freight just from formal quotes we've got in January that we're trying to procure right now. So, you know, I think, you know, that goes back to people not returning to work, you know, during COVID and the shutdowns. If you weren't an essential good transporter, a lot of layoffs happened and a lot of trucks and equipment were sitting idle. And so getting that workforce back on the market, you know, is really what's impacting our freight, you know, globally, you know, definitely in our country here. Um, But so, again, longer hours, short staff, you know, truckers and people on the road that cannot be carriers you know, demanding more pay over time. Everything is just impact, you know, it's just a snowball effect. So. So let's shift the topic to something that um, a lot of operators are focused in on right now, which is occupancy, right? Coming out of this whole cycle that we've been in, they're, they're trying to figure out, you know, CapEx has been put on hold. They've had to, uh, you know, move resources over to PPE, right? Uh, and a bunch of other things that are unplanned expenses, big expenses. Yeah. So what can operators do right now to refocus their attention back to general CapEx stuff? How do they plan for this? What can they do? Is there is there um, more inexpensive things that they could do to try to spruce up either the exterior or the lobby or maybe some resident rooms just to get some occupancy boost on what they're trying to accomplish right now? Yeah. You know, I think what goes back to all those added costs, right? With you know, PPE and different things. There was a huge, as you know, everywhere, um, a huge um, shift in cleaning, you know, and maintenance. I mean, the cleaning protocols in general, um, you know, we've seen on existing communities where, you know, they probably didn't clean the lounge chairs before. They probably didn't clean the sofas before and do total wipe downs, you know? So, I'm sure there's been some immediate, I mean, we've seen it in some of our clients, immediate replacement needs because somebody put bleach on the sofa or that main dining table at the front entry kind of thing, you know, which all goes back to, you know, how people, you know, how manufacturers are producing furniture. Um, Are we using more vinyls or not now? You know, there's a whole shift for that, but, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for existing communities that don't have a designer engaged because they have no idea what things cost, you know? And so, 
you know, with occupancies, you know, just doing that whole marketing tour, you know, that's your main first impression and, you know, what looks tired, what needs updated, um, you know, if for a rule of thumb, if I were a community and didn't have a designer on board, do some retail shopping and, you know, at least double it. Right. Um, not quite triple because we can get some really good things for you at cost. So, you know, if you kind of use that as a rule of thumb just for furniture, you know, furniture updates, uh, I'd give you a good placeholder. Right. If you can't really hire a consultant to help you um, at least build those funds in and, um, you know, if you can engage in a consultant, um, you know, they can help give you a roadmap of what you can use, um, give you preliminary ideas, at least some budget plugs. We see that a lot. The last the last year has been huge in CapEx um, updates and, and renovations. So, um, you know, just with the sheer construction costs, people need to update what they have today, which is exciting. So, Lucas, you know, we've talked a lot about this on the show through the years, but it seems to me having um, the interior design team on the front end of whether it's a renovation project or a new construction is more important than ever. I I know in my day job, um, I uh, the consulting side of our business, I go into a lot of what I would call rescue missions of new construction or renovation projects. And, you know, what we oftentimes find is these unrealistic expectations because the proper team hasn't been aligned and they've placed some numbers in there that maybe came off of a pro forma from five or six years ago that might have been relevant then. But if you are pricing things, it sounds like to me, even from a year and a half ago, and you're expecting to receive that same type of product delivery, um, Carrie, it sounds like, you know, we're going to way miss the mark, right? Absolutely. We see that all the time, you know, that's the first thing we ask is what's your budget when they, someone engages us and you're like, oh man, that's way too low, you know? And how, you know, they're not experts. They're managing a community that is not their field that they need to be in. So of course they're way off on numbers, you know? So what we do from a design perspective, we're like, okay, what can we do today to get the best bang for your buck? And we're going to have to face it, right? And then we just set them up for the future. Maybe it's a five-year plan or a two-year plan, depending on how their cash flow works. But, you know, that's generally, um, you're exactly right. They don't plan uh, enough just just for the sheer knowledge. I mean, they're not educated um, in that field, which is okay. So, you know, as um, design teams get together, that's the best thing that we can do is advise them what we can do with it today and get them on track. And guess what? That gives them better budgeting for the future. They can start factoring in escalation costs, you know, even if their position they leave and, you know, they've got good numbers in the future to set up for. So, but yeah, we generally turn into a phasing plan just because the budgets are so low. (laughs) Totally, totally. You know, that's the, that's one of the first, that is the first question that I ask oftentimes in discussing with people is, have you engaged an interior designer? And I'll be candid. There's, um, there was a project, um, at, at the end of last year, actually the beginning of this year, that that was a question that I asked and they really couldn't get a good answer. And I could tell that they were not really going to go that route. And I backed out. I just w- did not want to be involved in a bad deal. I yeah. just knew if you're not organized and f- you don't see, you know, foresight enough 
to know that you've got to assemble a good team if you want to accomplish the goals. Um, You know, I just, you know, so they missed out on, you know, potentially, you know, building a good team. So that's very, very important. As we round out the show, Carrie, let's talk about um, what are some popular spaces that people are reimagining right now? You know, a lot of the communities that are existing and, and current inventory, you know, the, the floor plans may be a little antiquated. And so they're reimagining those spaces. So why don't you quickly hit that? And then on the other side for ground up, quickly hit maybe one, uh, one big design trend that you're seeing in the new design of brand new buildings. Well, a lot of um, existing buildings say they're 10 to 20 years old. A lot of what we're um, starting to implement is bringing in more satellite markets, right? Just because of, you know, I think it was a trend before COVID was coming in. You know, we started seeing it, but I see the need even more, you know, where if you do want to order something to go or you want to go get a little snack and kind of socially interact at your comfort level, I think is key. You know, having that, you know, it goes back to what we've been, you know, preaching for the last decade of having choice and getting away from the old, you know, see a tables in the dining room. But I think the market's more important every day now, just because you can get something prepackaged, you know, you're not having to, you know, back to the dishes. I mean, you can even see it in the restaurants today, you're eating on disposable silverware and prepackaged things. So you're not touching everything. So I think that whole market to go bistro concept is something very valuable Um, and put it at the front door. You want to walk in and see some, some choice and excitement and have opportunity to engage and sit and have coffee or, you know, make it self-serve. Right. Um, I'm not, you know, it's, I don't know if anyone's experienced an Amazon go store, but I imagine one day we'll have that in our communities where, you know, you just walk through and you come out and it's put on your tap kind of thing. So uh, I do think that's something that will be beneficial for repositionings for sure. I love that. So what about ground up? What, what trends are you seeing there? Um, in ground up, um, pretty similar, you know, I think a lot of the trends now, I mean, a lot of the focus the last year has been um, a little bit more healthcare related on how, um, you know, a lot of, deaths happened in our environment, in our, in our market. Right. And it, a lot of it wasn't even COVID related. It was because of, they were so isolated. And so I think, you know, our design has been driven on how we can create environments where if something like this ever occurs again, you know, how we can still keep the lobby open or lounge space or celebration room, right. If you want to have dinner with your family, maybe outdoor connection, Right. Instead of just sitting at the window, maybe there's an outdoor entry where you're not having to walk through the whole living room or lobby and, you know, contaminate the space kind of thing. So, you know, we're really reimagining um, lounge and living spaces on how, you know, we can just keep environments where people can use them and be safe and feel safe again. You know, everybody's still eating, you know, dining rooms are filling up. A lot of our population is fully vaccinated, which is exciting. You know, I've been in communities lately and they're, you know, it's great to see residents again. You know, some are still social distancing or even still doing takeout. And then some dining rooms are 100% occupied. So um, again, you know, choice. And then flexibility for any other outbreak in the future, I think is just, you know, architects and design teams are just looking to see how we can do that. 
you know, and it even goes back to furniture, you know, I think reimagining um, design in furniture where, um, you know, not that you have to always be six foot apart, right? That's not, I mean, it's maybe a normal for a while. I don't know how normal it's going to be in the future, but, you know, having the opportunity to do something a little bit more modular that doesn't look like a hospital waiting room, but it's maybe a boutique sectional. And then if something happens, maybe you replace a component at a table so you're separated. So, you know, I don't know if there's, you know, a magic thing about what the greatest design is right now, but I think, you know, this year, this last year has made designers and architects across the country reimagine how we treat circulation and movement through our spaces, which I think is the most important today. I love the creative exercise of creative uh, experts reimagining senior housing. That gets me excited. <laughs> this has been a fun conversation, Lucas and Carrie. And for those of our listeners, they need to go actually also, Lucas, and watch this episode on YouTube. Before we hit record, we got to see and hear more about the dog tribute, your animals behind you and the cool <laughs> artwork that you did. So our YouTubers will want to go check that out for sure. <laughs> yes, you have an amazing space there. Carrie Moore of 828 Design out of Austin, Texas. Uh, for our listeners that want to learn more about Carrie and all of our shows, you can go to btgvoice.com and you can access all of our content there. Connect with us on social. Let's continue this conversation as we uh, have this very meaningful topical discussion around design challenges and opportunities. Carrie, thanks for spending time with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Great to see you, Josh. Thanks for a great conversation. And to all of our listeners, thanks for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap podcast with hosts Josh Crisp and Lucas McCurdy. If you are informed, educated, or influenced by this episode, we want to know. Leave a comment on social media or contact us in the show notes. Powered by supporting partners, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com.